Jeopardy, always live on the free Odyssey app. After the party, it's yeah. the Waffle House. Uh-huh. If you ever been here, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Uh-huh. Where people don't dance, all they do is yeah. this. Uh-huh. And after the this original, you know what it is. Welcome to it, remix. It had to go down. I got something else to tell you about Back the in new on 610 Sports Radio, 7 o'clock hour, and now joined by a friend of the show. Again, not my words, it's his. It's Aaron Ladd of 41 KSHP. Mr. Ladd, how are you this evening? That is a great lead-in. Look at you, man. Making, you're, you're making a, a, a guest feel comfortable here. Yeah, I'm getting. I'm trying to get better. I play music from your hometown. I uh, I get your your actual affiliate right, and it's been three weeks since you've been on the show, and I feel like we're getting more polished. Look, whatever it takes to have you do as little work as possible for this show, uh, I'm willing to pitch in. If it takes me calling in from Birmingham, Alabama, I'll do exactly that. Whatever you need. Is that where you're at right now? Is Birmingham, Alabama? National Association of Black Journalists having their annual convention. We're in Birmingham, Alabama this year. Not exactly what I was expecting, but hey, it's doing the job. What weren't you expecting? Like temperatures or the people that are there? I mean, I know you're there with Harold Koontz of Fox 4. You guys are boys, but like, you know, like what weren't you expecting? Were you expecting like a red carpet or what's going on now? Well, last year we were in Vegas, Dusty, okay. so uh, I had I had high hopes, and next year in Chicago, so this Birmingham just kind of wedged in the middle. I don't know. It, it, it's fine. It, it's doing the job. Okay. Um, once again, thank you for joining the show. I know that you're slowly but surely becoming a fan of this program. Uh, how much does the Hall of Fame game move the needle for you to let you know that the dog – now, again, you have a very competitive baseball team, so I can't really get too much into it, but – how much of like the Hall of Fame game is, we know what it is, right? It's boring. Nobody plays in it. It's just a, a an introduction to the season. But how much of it gives you some insight that you're like, you know what? The damn football season's here. We're getting closer. Finally, we, we drug and dragged and crawled through the desert. That is the three months since the, the Super Bowl. We've created mountains out of molehills as far as Chris Jones watch and Today, you know, while it's not exactly real football, it is signaling that we're getting closer to real football. And I do encourage everybody to watch the Hall of Fame game coming up on KSHB 41 in Kansas City, of course. That's right. Got to plug the station. Hey, so I know the last time we were on together, we were talking about Chris Jones. Do you think this is more so of it hits really close to home, which is causing people to worry and scurry? Or is this just more one of these things where, like, we kind of got to be a little bit more serious with this conversation. I'm getting nervous, man. I am officially moving the panic meter up another notch. I talked about this on Chiefs Coast to Coast yesterday with my co-host, Mark Gunnels. You can check that out on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. I mean, you can't, you mean, you got to be nervous at this point, right? Like, there's a guy in the past who's tweeted, I'm a chief for life, and he wants to compete for the defensive player of the year this year, but... To me, both of these sides have drawn their line in the sand, uh, and they're not budging. The Chiefs don't want to pay top of market value. Chris Jones believes that he's uh, earned that kind of value and believes that he has definitely warranted that entering this year. Who could argue with that, considering what he put on the field and what he put on tape uh, last year? I'm nervous, Uh, not because of uh, Chris Jones. I mean, he's under contract this year, so he's definitely going to show up. I'm not nervous about this year. I'm nervous about the relationship going forward, where you consider this guy as somebody who would be in your organization as one of those cornerstones for years to come. I- I'm starting to get nervous about that, man. It- it's just, uh, 
we're getting too close. Preseason's almost here. Do you think this sort of thing affects a locker room this early on? I know that there's a lot of like zero distraction type of narrative with an Andy Reid run team and a Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey dominant personality. And, you know, we've seen their postseason. We've seen the the stars on the on the on all the on stages. You know, Mahomes is doing his thing as normal, and Kelsey's on SNL and all these Kelsey jams. And then Chris Jones, a superstar, he was at the ESPYS. Maybe not the limelight that you've seen, but wasn't at the red carpet event for the ring ceremony. Kind of in his own world. Is there a little bit of like, am I a part of that circle of trust? And that's where kind of some negotiations are, or is it strictly just like, yo, dude, I want paid and I want years and I want guarantee. I don't know if it necessarily creeps into affecting the team. I think, I think for the most part, these guys understand the business aspect of taking care of your family and the generational wealth and all the things that come with an ongoing uh, contract negotiation. And Patrick has definitely towed this line before. I think back to the Orlando Brown situation last year. I mean, those guys were quote-unquote best friends or contract buddies, whatever, and Patrick kind of said a lot of the similar things, right? Take care of your family, take care of that. And when it's time for football, we'll get there. He's kind of done something similar in front of the camera. I wonder how impactful or how uh, forceful he's being behind the scenes. Because if you think Mahomes is just sitting by idly and twiddling his thumbs throughout the other thing, I think you're a little naive here. I think for the most part, everybody, all the power players, we're talking Reed, Mahomes, Kelsey, those type of guys, like they – they know that when it's time to get down to business, Chris Jones is going to bring his lunch back, his lunch boxes, tail with him, and, and be one of those impact players. But uh, I don't think it changes their dynamic. I think when they see each other again at St. Joe, they laugh, they smile, they dap it up, and they get ready to, to defend their, their Lombardi trophy. How St. Joe treated you so far this year? I know you get a break, but I'm you've been doing your thing this week. But uh, it seems that uh, training camp is full of these three names. If I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. Uh, Daenerys Prince. Justin Ross, Isaiah Pacheco. Pretty much, right? And it's been a very welcome sight. I think Daenerys Prince is the guy that we circled even after minicamp because of how he looked and how he was moving and the opportunities that arose uh, in that room with Isaiah Pacheco kind of having the offseason surgeries. For Justin Ross, I was skeptical. And this is something that I've been on record about for a while. But the opportunity presented itself right away with the Canarius Tony injury. And he's shown the growth and shown the um, shown the maturation from one year to the next, being comfortable in the system, looking physically like he has confidence not only in, in his body and his skill set and his health, but also the scheme and knowing where the coaches want him and that kind of thing. Obviously, it's different doing it in St. Joe versus doing it in preseason. That's the next step for a Daenerys Prince and a Justin Ross, for instance. We've seen Isaiah Pacheco do it on the biggest stage. For Prince, for Ross, do what you've been doing in camp in the preseason, and Chiefs fans are still smiling, right? Chiefs fans are still are still excited and ready to go for the year. I think that's the next step uh, for those young players is is showing us what you learned in practice, in game action uh, after getting popped around and, and hit a few times. I know the first preseason game for the Chiefs is until Sunday the thirteenth, which will be played on. I'm trying to think what uh, what network is that game on on Sunday the thirteenth at noon. Come on now, you're home with the Chiefs. Okay, HB 41. I mean, you know, That's you know good. the vibes. Well, I'm just, you know, letting you plug the station. Uh, Lad, we'll keep you here for just a little bit longer. I know you got much bigger fish to fry. But one thing I want to talk about with camp is that there's a lot of people that were kind of like discouraged about maybe like 
you know, the the fights and the thing and all that. And then Kelsey comes out, you know, the other day with a mustache. This is just camp guys being camp guys, right? It's hot. It's aggravating. You want to hit somebody. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, you get annoyed by people trying to knock the ball loose out of your hands. This is just camp stories. And you kind of love to see there's passion this early because with a team that's expected to go, what, 14 and three, 12 and, you know, four, whatever it may be. You're not worried about any of these sort of things or these antics in camps. Again, you're just, you know, you're more highlighted because of who you are. I'm not worried in the slightest about the chippiness or whatever. I mean, I don't think we truly understand how difficult this camp is than any Reed-led camp for the Chiefs compared to other ones. Hot out there. Um, this is a team that knows what they need to do as far as, uh, I don't want to say Super Bowl or bust, but essentially we're like AFC championship game or bust under Patrick Mahomes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would get frustrated too. These guys are tired of hitting one another. They want to hit another team. They want to uh, get to somewhere where they're playing meaningful games once again. But this whole ramp up and uh, install and getting new guys into the fold and um, getting aggravated and sitting on top of each other. And, I mean, when you're, when you're sleeping in a dorm every night, man, it's, it, can't, it can't be the most relaxing experience. I'm not worried at all about uh, the chippiness and the fights and any of that. When, it, when it's time to play ball, these guys will be ready to play. The Royals will extend or trade Bobby Wood Jr. in the offseason. They better. I mean, what's the holdup? Why? Why has it? Why hasn't that happened yet? Right? With a lot of these guys, I think the, the same conversation can be had for uh, Pasquantino. I know he's hurt now, and uh, maybe that conversation looks a little bit differently. But I mean, the dude's been tearing the absolute cover off the ball uh, over the last month. Hottest team in baseball, and you can't laugh anymore at the Mets. I, I think that truly is the. I always try to find the funny in sports, Dusty. What's going on with the New York Metropolitans has to be one of the funniest things in sports in 2023. I've never seen a baseball team catastrophically fail as worse as the Mets go from super, or go from World Series favorites to trading their two biggest offseasons and then just continue. The fact that Buck Showalter was able to fly back to New York tonight is, is just fascinating because if his boxes aren't already packed and his office looks like you've just ended your rent for the last month, I have no idea how he hangs around. Play the trumpet, baby. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Love to see it. Got to <laughs> shout out those uh, regular season champions who uh, find a way to fumble the division away last year, and they haven't been the same since. Lad, what you got coming up the rest of the week? Well, I'll be back in KC uh, this weekend. I'll be back on the desk at KSHB 41 on Saturday. But for tonight, Dusty, we got some mixers, a little Bleacher Report mixer coming up. Just hobnobbing. Good to see folks. You mentioned Harold. Um you know, I'll find a way to enjoy myself here in Birmingham. Well, you do that, and congratulations on being recognized, being a part of that event. I know that's really special to you guys in the community out there, so uh, keep doing what you're doing and continue to be great, man. I appreciate you joining the show. Of course, man. Till next time. If there's a next time. I'm just kidding. That was Aaron Ladd of KSHB 41 News. Uh, friend and fan of the show, so we'll have him on more often throughout the season, try to get his takes. Glad that he's out there uh, doing his thing and getting recognized for what he does. He does good work here in Kansas City. But on the other side, you guys remember Kyle Brandt? I'm sure you do. He picked Buffalo last year. A lot of you hated that. Monday Morning Quarterback, a great show that's on the NFL Network. Peter Schrager used to be the love of my life in K. Adams. Not Peter Schrager. Come on now. But, uh, yeah. They had some comp- they had some uh, some interesting conversations on their show with a reaction to what could be a Super Bowl preview, what could be a repeat, and where Patrick Mahomes and everybody fits on their list of greatness. 
You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Thanks to Aaron Ladd of KSHB 41 News joining us here for the 7 o'clock hour and the first segment. Always good to see your uh, your fellow friends in the industry thriving. Aaron Ladd, good for you, sir. Uh, first flag of the season, false start on the Cleveland Browns. There's 12-19 left in the first quarter. But, of course, there's offsetting penalties, so we'll reset and do third and one again. Of course, I am interested in this game only because we bet the under 33 and a half. Um, we're looking at like a 17, 10 final score would love it or a 20 to 10 final score or 20 to 13 would be almost like too nerve wracking. So I wouldn't want that. Uh, in fact, I don't want that at all. I just want 20 to like, I want 20 to three, 20 to 10 is a little too nerve wracking. Uh, text lines open nine, one, three, five, eight, six, seven, six, 10. Oh my God. What an idiot. Um, Anyways, somebody from the 316 says, Chris Jones is not in a 100-degree camp because he doesn't have to be. Why can't people understand that? So I, I, see, uh, I see different aspects of this uh, when it comes to people's opinion. Again, I understand that Chris Jones probably doesn't want to practice, probably doesn't want to be in the Midwest where it's hot. But again, you look at Andy Reid's practices. They get people geared up for the season. Why are the Chiefs so effective on drives that only have 13 seconds left in them? Because they start in St. Joe. And we joke and we mention the, the dorm room and the heat and the, you know, the anger that builds up. That's kind of part of growing together as a team early. And again, does Chris Jones need to be practicing? Probably not. Would it, like, would it be nice to see him in camp and, and kind of building that relationship with other other people on this team, with some new additions that you've had? Maybe him and Carl Loftus can kind of pair up and see things. And I think we saw the funny tweet today of Frank Clark as he was like, I'll call Chris and see what's going on with him. Uh, either way, we'll get into Chris Jones a little bit later. But where I want to go now is a lot of people were interested last year in you know, Kyle Brandt saying the Buffalo Bills had the best roster. This is Kyle Brandt now on Patrick Mahomes and in the NFL standard. Who's the most talented? Who's the best on game day? You can debate him all day. Mahomes is the best one. Mm. In the era of the best quarterbacks ever, he's the best. In this country in the 1980s, we had a massive explosion of pop stars. Everyone was a pop star, and there's Madonna, and there's Prince. Michael Jackson was the best one. He stood out. He stood above. In the 90s in this country, we had a massive explosion of basketball stars. All kinds of one-name-only people who were brands and shoes. Michael Jordan was the best one. They have the Michael Jordan, Michael Jackson during the quarterback era, and we're just in the early stages of it. We are right now entering the, man, remember when Mahomes had Tyreek phase? We are going to enter the, remember when Mahomes had Kelsey phase? That'll be a distant memory by the end of his career. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to get to, remember when Mahomes was with Andy Reid phase? He's going to drop all of them eventually. He's going to <laughs> keep going. We are not early in his career. We are not late. We are right in the meat. Best quarterbacks we've ever had in this league, and he is the best one. He hasn't repeated but he gives them the best shots. He's the best quarterback and the best quarterbacks in the world. That's it, Jay. And when it comes to repeating, they had a conversation about what is the chances we see Kansas City do it again. This, the discussion on Monday Morning Quarterback via NFL Network. Chiefs fans are going to love this, but when I look at a question like this, I try to play devil's advocate. And mm -hmm. so instead of looking at the question as, 
will they repeat and why and the reasons why I try to I try to come up with okay. other teams that could disrupt the sure. pattern. Yeah. And I looked at the long list of Bills, Bengals, Eagles, 49ers, and what they did in this offseason compared to what the Chiefs did. And it's like that fountain in Las Vegas when like the highest one shoots and the other one kind of explode as well. And like, but in your visually in your mind, nothing ever comes as that highest peak of water yeah. at the yeah. Bellagio. Nothing anyone else did changed what the Chiefs are about to do this upcoming season. The 49ers, of course, they added Javon Hargrave, but the Eagles, they added two rookies defensively that are going to be remarkable. There wasn't a huge splash for the Bengals. They got Irv Smith. That didn't really do much for me. Eric Bieniemy leaving for Washington mm -hmm. kind of created a ripple effect for the Chiefs, but again, everyone else already covered it. Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, you're good. They could pull their own plays. They don't even really even need Eric Bieniemy. we found kind of towards the end, and now he's going to go try to do things for Washington. No one else got that much exponentially better compared to what the Chiefs did or did not do this offseason to create a ripple effect. I cannot yet come up with a reason why it shouldn't be the Chiefs. Furthermore, the Chiefs, someone could beat them in the regular season. They could beat them in September, October. We saw it last season with the Colts. This is not a team. If you don't want them to win a Super Bowl, you can't even let them in the playoffs. And that's just not happening. It's not It's not a thing that exists in this era of Patrick Mahomes. So I've said it from the beginning. I truly do believe that we will have a repeat this year in the Super Bowl. I think Philadelphia is the best talent in the NFC. And I think the AFC is the Kansas City Chiefs. And again, the audio that you hear there from Monday morning quarterback is not a lot of teams did a whole lot to maybe change the way they can be competitive. Now, we know Buffalo, they're running out of time with money. We know Cincinnati, they got to pay their quarterback, and then they're going to have to either pay Jamar Chase or T. Higgins. They're not paying both. I can promise you that. They just There's no way both those guys get signed to the same team. You look at the Chargers. Herbert signed. Eckler's disappointed. Keenan Allen, he's their guy, but age is catching up to him. Not only that, but the Chargers, something always goes catastrophically wrong for the Chargers. Somebody gets hurt. Something doesn't go right in the regular season. Their head coach is a boob. Whatever it may be. Kellen Moore is going to add some pressure to Staley's back. He's going to all of a sudden be like on his heels, want to know what's going on. You look at the North. Lamar Jackson's back after last year, but in the con contract negotiations went through. Now locked in. Baltimore, heavy favorite. You look at Cincinnati, heavy favorite in the North. You look at the East with Miami, Jets, and, and Buffalo. And then the South, you have basically what I think, Jacksonville in their own little spot. I think Jacksonville can go 10-7, and 11-6, win that division, have you know the, the home game and the playoffs, and then go elsewhere as either a three or a four seed, in my opinion. But the one thing that I think that we can finally realize is that instead of people saying, which is, might be the narrative of, of football this offseason, instead of being like, who can beat the Chiefs? Now the conversation is not who can compete, who can beat the Chiefs, but can the Chiefs repeat? And I think that's the other thing, as we had talked about earlier, about uh, you know what's different than this season from the last season, and that is, or what we've talked about in the past, is that the Chiefs never worry about a team they need to beat. They never worry about a team that they might have to worry about. It's always about how can we get back to the AFC Championship game. Now, saying that they think that they can get it back at home or they can get it back into, uh, you know, just having a six consecutive year at home. I think that's just the bonus, but every other team is okay. Wait a second. How can we get better? And how can we beat the Kansas city chiefs? Everybody's worry is your team that you watch here in Kansas city. Whereas Kansas city, no team is a worry. It's more. So how do we get back to the promised land? And that promised land starts with winning the division getting the number one seed or number two seed and somehow playing in the AFC championship game. Never in that conversation. Is there something alike of how do we beat the dolphins this year? How do we beat, you know, 
the Minnesota Vikings and Minnesota. None of that is in, even in, even an issue. And somebody from the 316 says, wait, don't, didn't Denver have another A-plus draft LMAO? Of course. But again, we'll see what Sean Payton can do. He's been out of the league for a while. He has a quarterback in Russell Wilson who we don't know what the hell's going on inside of that brain. But not only that, you look at the Chiefs, the past proves that the previous seasons don't matter and you've had it all. Literally, look at the last few years for the Chiefs. They've had every single sort of scenario that you can have in the playoffs, right? Outside of losing in the first round. You had a game in which you were in the divisional round where your back's against the wall and you're down by thir- you're down with 13 seconds left. You won that game. You've won a Super Bowl. You've gone back-to-back to Super Bowls. You've lost a Super Bowl. You've lost an AFC Championship game twice. You've won two AFC Championship or three AFC Championship games. You've won two Super Bowls. You've lost a Super Bowl. So, the experience that might be, you know, needed for some teams to say, well, I'm not really sure. Nice. You're not really sure where this season can go or what this season can be. The Chiefs have literally had every sort of successful and failure there can be in the possible situation that there is in the playoffs. We all remember the Alex Smith years, right? You saw the first round losses, the home losses, Steelers, Titans, yada, yada, yada. You look at this Chiefs team and this core, they're built for everything. They played in a Super Bowl and won it twice. They played in the Super Bowl and lost it, and they played in AFC Championship games, won, and have also lost at the same time. I didn't want to do this. They had this conversation when it came to Sunday Sound Off when I was on with Mackenzie Nelson, also of 41 KSHB. Justin Ross, I think we need to have a conversation, maybe a little bit more of a serious conversation than I thought we ever would have when it comes to one Justin Ross, because it seems these slow motion videos, these highlight videos on the Kansas City Chiefs Twitter, they've started to affect me like a mosquito bite. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app, brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Nothing like the NFL starting off with a missed field goal. 0-0-6-24 left in this highly anticipated Hall of Fame game. Obviously melting in sarcasm. Robert Sala, still a very good-looking individual. Smooth caramel skin, very good jawline. It's getting weird. Either way, Jets-Browns 0-0-6-23 left in the first quarter. Just what the doctor ordered. If these are the starters and they can't score, then I have to feel very, very comfortable with the over-under, which we have, which is 33-and-a-half. Bet the under and Shohei Otani 7-and-a-half or more strikeouts. That's got to be a sack. All right. Tensional grounding. Hopefully they can throw it. It's outside the tackles. Anyways, shouldn't be doing play-by-play. Uh, one thing that I do want to bring up is Justin Ross, because I think we need to have a serious conversation about maybe where the Chiefs and everybody else sees this. We've seen the audio, or we've seen the video. I'm sure you follow the Chiefs on Twitter. I'm sure you've seen the slow-motion videos of number eight going up and catching skyline catches. This was Pete Sweeney who brought up an interesting point on Monday night on After Hours when he talked about Kadarius Tony and the arrival of one Justin Ross. You're only going so rough in training camp, right? So we know Rasheed Rice has been playing less worried about him. What's going to happen when Justin Ross takes his first licking in two years, right? So <clears throat> you've, gotten, you've gotten over the hump where I think he has proven to be a target that Patrick Mahomes likes. You see the videos on social media. His route running is there. He's been able to stay, stay healthy this far. It's, is he going to be able to sustain hits in a real football game? And I think the first preseason game is going to be a good test of that. I got my new 53-man roster coming out tomorrow, and I, I'll tell you, Justin Ross is on it because I see the Chiefs keeping seven receivers 
because I think Kadarius Tony will eventually go to IR. I know you were talking about uh, discussing him in a second, but I, I think that'll leave room for uh, Justin Ross to be on it because if you're talking about six receivers, you, you like a room that's six receivers deep. And the Chiefs have been trying to tell you that he's going to be on the roster just by all the reps that he's been getting with Patrick Mahomes. I've been surprised to see it. I did not expect that. I thought he was going to be with the second team. But he's been playing with Patrick Mahomes a lot, and that leads me to believe they want him to be on this roster. So one of the big kind of things that I took out of this is that there might be a chance that the Chiefs put Kadarius Tony on IR, which means once they do that, they won't do it early, as Pete described. as can't do that because he'd miss the entire season. But one thing that you could see this happening is – if he does have to go on the IR, that means he would miss the first four games of the season. Now, something that we're not really looking forward to or what we want to talk about, but one thing that's interesting is that I always go back to the Micah Parsons tweet about Justin Ross when highlights started going um, on the Chiefs Twitter or on NFL Network, people going, oh, Justin Ross, because we know the story, right? First-round pick out of Clemson, super talented, can jump out of a gym, has good hands, great speed. Seems like a perfect combination for somebody like Patrick Mahomes to have on his team. And when you look at this, Tony missing four games. You have Sky Moore coming into his second year, MVS, the vet of the group, Watson on this team as well. And you throw in a guy like Justin Ross, who's on this team. What an idiot. This game is just preseason all over. We have a missed field goal. I think you've had, what, already like, what, six penalties? There's been six penalties already. And then the first punt, or the, yeah, the first punt, or the second punt of the game, guy catches it, drops it, goes out of bounds to the five-yard line. Let's just keep smothering this over-under. In fact, we'll get into what the live line is here in a second. But we get back to Justin Ross. And one of the questions that I was asked was, is he going to make this team? And as of right now, there is no doubt in my mind that he's not on this 53-man roster. He's 100% on this roster. He's 100% going to be a valuable asset to this team because of what we've seen. And one thing that we go back to from the very beginning of the season is the addition of Pat Mahomes' camp. Ross was one of those guys at this camp. And the Chiefs obviously know more than we do. They've seen more than we have. And they know that if health can be something of the past that was questionable when it comes to Justin Ross missing games, the back issues, the knees issues, all the sort of things that have kind of plagued his NFL career so far in his young life, maybe the Chiefs have figured out what was working in the past or what wasn't working in the past. They have changed and developed into this wide receiver. If there's one thing that we also know when it comes to Patrick Mahomes, he's still in his well in his youth. As we had read earlier, he's in the, the prime of the first wave of his career. Or as we want to give a Taylor Swift sort of, he's in the first era of the Patrick Mahomes or starting the second era. First one, five years, AFC Championship games, three Super Bowls, two wins, two MVPs, two Super Bowl MVPs. That's the young era of Patrick Mahomes. We are now fully developed into what is the second wave or the second era of Patrick Mahomes' career. And with the proven entity of MBS, somebody like Travis Kelsey, who's still going to be your number one target, your, your, your catch galore, and it comes to that tight end, who, again, I wouldn't be upset, and I know this is off topic, but a lot of people have asked, who's the first pick in fantasy drafts? I think that unanimously it should be Justin Jefferson. I think everybody will probably take Justin Jefferson number one overall. There's also people that would say Christian McCaffrey. Again, tread lightly with that. I get it. San Francisco seems to be a perfect situation. Year two with Brock Purdy. We'll see how that works out. The other thing that's interesting is don't sleep on Travis Kelsey as a top five pick. That's not rose-colored glasses. That's not homerisms. That's not bias being in Kansas City. Travis Kelsey's just going to get you eight to nine targets a game, six to eight catches, and it easily probably a touchdown you know, threat every single game. Not a bad pick at that position. The thing with Justin Ross is I think the Kansas City Chiefs truly do believe he can be a number two guy that you can depend on and with the 
possibility, again, of somebody like Canarius Tony maybe missing the first four games. They're going to be very, very cautious and very careful with a guy like Canarius Tony because we know that it was a punt return, one move, knee injury, sidelined. Again, Justin Ross and the addition to this team and what he could possibly be for this Kansas City Chiefs roster is one of those traditional classic Brett Veach finds, right? Brett Veach seems to find these first-round guys that maybe had issues in the past, had a slow start, but then somehow it works here. Or he's the free agent story that works. Just kind of like those late draft picks. There was the third-round pick with Kareem Hunt out of Toledo. Nobody knew who he was. Game one against the New England Patriots. Everybody is copying and pasting the Chiefs' offense with running back sets because of how well it worked. You also look at when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs and how they use wide receivers and what they need. They don't necessarily need the big-name guy yet, hence why they didn't sign Odell Beckham Jr., why they didn't sign a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, not even an Adam Thielen. And again, I thought it was hilarious that Jonathan Taylor comes out as like possible trade candidate and everyone's like, oh, well, maybe the Chiefs will sign him. Absolutely not. doesn't make sense. The one thing that's interesting, though, when it comes to the Justin Ross situation with the Kansas City Chiefs is if he can be that guy, if he can be somebody that is trusted by Patrick Mahomes, then there is a legitimate threat that the Chiefs have found a diamond in the rough, per se, when it comes to analogies, or maybe they found somebody that can really be a very vital person within this roster. And if you have a wide receiver that has this sort of skill set to mix in and mesh in with, with Patrick Mahomes, then you might have a secret weapon. You might have had that guy, which will show you the belief that this roster has in its wide receivers, which is why they didn't go get anybody. They felt the room was deep enough. And as Pete Sweeney play, said in the audio that we played earlier that I'll play for you again, he plans on seeing this team keep seven wide receivers. You're only going so rough in training camp, right? So we know Rasheed Rice has been playing less worried about him What's going to happen when Justin Ross takes his first licking in two years, right? Mm. So you've, got, you've gotten over the hump where I think he has proven to be a target that Patrick Mahomes likes. You see the videos on social media. His route running is there. He's been able to stay, stay healthy this far. It's, is he going to be able to sustain hits in a real football game? And I think the first preseason game is going to be a good test of that. I got my new 53-man roster coming out tomorrow and I, I'll tell you Justin Ross is on it because I see the Chiefs keeping seven receivers because I think Kadarius Tony will eventually go to IR. I know you were talking about uh, discussing him in a second but I, I think that'll leave room for uh, Justin Ross to be on it because if you're talking about six receivers you, you like a room that's six receivers deep and the Chiefs have been trying to tell you that he's going to be on the roster just by all the reps that he's been getting with Patrick Mahomes. I've been surprised to see it I did not expect that I thought he was going to be with the second team but he's been playing with Patrick Mahomes a lot and that leads me to believe they want him to be on this roster that again Pete Sweeney the chief editor of Arrowhead Pride third and five uh looks like going to be third and ten in the Hall of Fame game we talked about the bet earlier that I made is the over under was 33 and a half it's now 25 and a half um, so there you go. Somebody from the text line, could Rondé Barber's teeth be more white? I don't know. Where do they show Darrell Rivas? Wait until they show Darrell Rivas. My God, the weight that guy has put on. Again, that's very rude of me. I, for, I, I apologize for that. The text line also says, don't forget about Rich James. And then they use the, you know, a word behind that. But yeah, Richie James, another guy that could be a, a big, a big point on this team. And then from the 913, crazy the Chiefs got Randy Moss, Calvin Johnson, and Jerry Rice, all in one undrafted receiver from a guy who has fallen heavy for the Ross hype train. Again, I'm not trying to compare him to past receivers. I'm just giving you what I've seen, what I know, and what they truly believe can be this. 
and the Chiefs are every team and fans' nightmare. Enjoy it, Kansas City. Again, if in fact this Justin Ross thing happens, my dream and my key scenario is this. You are now the most hated team in football. You are the villain of the NFL, and it's fine if that is the case. But again, I do obviously see Ross making this roster. He's made great strides with his team. He seems to be a valuable weapon for Patrick Mahomes, and that moving forward and this keep going, man, what another great find for the Kansas City Chiefs and Brett Veach as the Jets go to attempt a 54-yard field goal and absolutely pipe it. Our first points of the football season are on the board. With two minutes and four seconds left, the Jets have hit a field goal from 54 yards out. It is officially 3-0 in the Hall of Fame game. It is 7:41 here in Kansas City. On the other side, we'll get into, well, Urban Meyer. When you think it couldn't get worse, you think the guy couldn't possibly do anything worse than he's already done, There is now another story that makes this man even more narcissistic, sociopathic, and that's not probably even a word, but not only that, very immature and very insecure. It's Urban Meyer, but this is After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app, brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. tonight by that i am being very sarcastic low action although zach wilson did throw a bomb earlier as the jets are up three nothing with 26 seconds left in the first quarter now attempting a 44 yard field goal attempt uh so that's where you're at you have a missed field goal a made field goal and now a field goal attempt in your hall of fame game so if you want to put it on mute get to your odyssey app and uh listen to after hours as the game is now six nothing with 22 seconds left in the first quarter. Hopefully Cleveland can continue to just not score and the Jets will just kneel it out the rest of the game and will actually win a bet tonight as it is parlayed with a, oh, Greg DeLeg out there kicking for the Jets. No wonder he piped it from 54. Uh, Greg Zerline, nowhere he went to college. Missouri Western. So speaking of Missouri Western, we'll be up there tomorrow with Alex Gold as I'll make the travel to St. Joe Friday and Saturday this week and all of our coverage live from Chiefs training, training camp is Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Um, Kansas City, extremely lucky, extremely blessed to have a head coach like Andy Reid because everybody loves Andy Reid. Andy Reid is probably arguably one of the top three greatest coaches of all time. If not, he will go down as one of the top three coaches of all time, in my opinion, and I don't think that's a very far-stretched cry of saying that. But Urban Meyer, man, just when you thought this guy was going to die off as an NFL head coach and never be heard from again, um... This might solidify that Urban Meyer is the worst head coach in football history. And I know there's been a lot of bad football coaches in NFL history. And I'm not going to name anybody. Like, I wouldn't throw, like, Romeo Cornell's name out there. But Urban Meyer, after hearing this story, solidifies that he might be one of the most insecure head coaches slash maybe people in the entire lifespan of the planet Earth. Um, and this story comes from a uh, source that played for the, the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll get into the story here. Is it's fresh off of a 31 to seven loss to the Seattle Seahawks, a humiliating, um, you know, humiliating loss to them. Made the Jaguars go to a one in six. The Urban Meyer led crew one in six. The Jaguars defense held a come to Jesus meeting. Um, obviously something needed to change. It's all from the same article. Now 
or this season would be effectively over. They're one and six. A slew of players chimed in in which their thoughts and wingered one of the guys on the team. The Jaguars had a rookie quarterback in Trevor Lawrence and a rookie head coach in Meyer. And if it was on the defense to help them out quite, uh, you know, quiet beginning. And he wasn't talking to taking it. He wasn't taking a shot. It was an indisputable fact that Meyer had never coached in the NFL. Wasn't saying that he was a rookie. Wasn't saying that he was, you know, terrible at his job. He's just saying, Hey, this guy's a rookie head coach. Word gets back to urban Meyer that Monday night. The safety who said this wingard said his phone rang caller ID indicated, and this is important. Caller ID indicated that position coach Chris Ash was calling. Wingard answered, and a different voice greeted him. It was Urban Meyer. So we'll pause there for a second. Urban Meyer didn't even have the stones or the testicular fortitude to call from his own cell phone, from his very own cell phone, had to use a different person, a defensive coach's or a special team coach, his phone. That Monday night, the safety's phone call rang, and it was Urban Meyer from Chris Ash's phone, and, quote, he says, Dewey, why the hell did you call me a rookie head coach? Tell me why. If it was anybody else right now, you'd already be cut. Ringer lives. He, quote, explains yourself to me is essentially what he said. So I had to freaking save face and tell him how much I love him and how he's the greater coach. He's the greatest coach ever. You're sitting there on your off night, chilling, and you get a call from your head coach saying, hey, I'm going to cut you if you don't apologize for calling me a rookie head coach. The threat was real. If Winger didn't apologize, he was toast. Urban Meyer sucks. Like, as a human being, as a football coach, as a personality, as anything in general, Urban Meyer is just a just a bag. Straight up. Like, we understand that the team had a private meeting without him. Somebody was just calling him a rookie head coach. The guy had never coached in the NFL before. Remember the story of, I think it was their kicker who had an injured leg, and uh, and, and he went up to the guy and kicked him? Uh, we remember the the video of him uh, taking a different flight to an Ohio State bar and uh, getting handsy with a certain female who wasn't his wife, and then he had to apologize, and then his wife took his back. You get a lot of narcissistic vibes from somebody like Urban Meyer. And again, I'm sure there's a lot of narcissistic men in the NFL that coach this league that maybe you don't know the true stories of. Urban Meyer seems to be somebody that nobody likes, that's always had a shady past, like, we're getting ready to see the Netflix series come out um, when it when it brings up the story of the Florida Gators, right, with Tebow and, and Hernandez and the Pouncey Twins and, and all that that happened in Florida, maybe his real story of who he was as a college coach, right? And then once that wave of class is gone, Urban Meyer's like, you know what, I'm going to take some time off, you know, grow around my family. Another narcissistic trait, trying to prove somebody that he's not and being somebody that he really is. That's narcissistic 101. He calls the guy, why would you call me a head coach? Hey, man, you should be cut. I need you to apologize for me. I need you to apologize to my face. Another coward's way out is that he took somebody else's phone so that he would know that the guy wouldn't call, that he wouldn't answer. Because if you know that you said something about Urban Meyer, and you know that it's probably going to come back to you, and Urban Meyer calls you, you treat it like it says scam likely. You tap the outside of your phone to mute the ringer. You let it go to voicemail. You listen to voicemail if there is one and call back. And in fact, I'll go back to the article and I'll read it again for you. Maybe a little bit more clear options than this and give you the nuts and bolts of the article. Basically what had happened is a safety for the Jaguars called Urban Meyer, a rookie head coach. 
Word gets back to Urban Meyer after they had a meeting because they fell they fell one and six on the season. They lost thirty one to seven to the Seahawks. They had a come to Jesus meeting or so is what they called it to make sure that the season wasn't going to get out of hand because you're seven games in and you're one and six. Winger, the safety calls Urban Meyer, rookie head coach. Urban Meyer calls him from another cell phone and he says, "Why did you call me a rookie head coach? Tell me why." If that doesn't scream narcissism, I don't know what does. Tell me. Tell me why now. If it was anybody else right now, you'd already be cut. Wingard relieves or relives. And then he says, explain yourself to me is essentially what he said. So I had to freaking save face and tell him how much I love him, how much he's the greatest coach ever. And you're sitting there on your off night chilling and you want to you get a call from your head coach. Hey, I'm going to cut your ass if you don't apologize for calling me a rookie head coach. And straight up, the threat was real. And if he didn't apologize, Urban Meyer was just going to cut him. Psycho narcissistic, sociopath, idiot, D-bag, Richard of the week, whatever you want to call it. Urban Meyer will never coach football again. He'll never be trusted again. And this is just one of several stories that defends why Urban Meyer is a bag and why Urban Meyer is just a terrible person, in my opinion. 316, Urban Meyer is a giant D-bag. Joe Thomas is skinny, WTF. Yeah, I know. Go look at Darrell Rivas, opposite approach. Obviously, the Hall of Fame game going on, 6 nothing. Jets over Browns. There's 13 minutes left in the first half. Been a quite slow game, and appreciate the text line saying, hey, of course I've got the game on mute listening to this. I appreciate you as well, dude. But, yes, you see this a lot in the NFL. Offensive linemen will get smaller. Like, look at Jeff Saturday. That guy looks like he's he weighs less than me, and I only weigh 200 pounds. Jeff Saturday, big guy, now small guy. Uh, Joe Thomas, big guy, now just big, skinny, fit guy. So good for him as the Hall of Fame game is going on. Coming up on the other side, we do what we do every night when it comes to the left field question. Do something differently tonight. I'm going to give you the questions so either you can think about it during the break. And the text line is open for you. 913-586-7610. Tonight's question from Uber Facts: What is something that was peak 1990s, early 2000s? Again, 913-586-7610. That is the J Southland Toe Service text line. When we come back, it's the out of left field question on After Hours with your host, Dusty Likens. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. All with one swing. It's the score for.